Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So we know that addiction is a disease. It needs to be treated as a disease. But at present, there is no statutory rehabilitation service anywhere in the north. Drug deaths on Belfast streets have hit record highs. Hundreds of drug-related deaths are recorded every year. In the last five years, from 2017 to 2021, we've lost almost 350 people in Belfast City alone. As a council, we're picking up 1,000 needles a month from discarded drug debris. To try and tackle this massive problem, Belfast City Council have passed a motion calling for changes to the law that will allow a drug overdose prevention centre to be set up in the city. A safe space where people can take drugs under medical supervision. Overdose prevention centres like this give addicts space to use illegal drugs more safely with trained staff standing by to help if they overdose. As things stand, such a centre would be illegal. We are bound currently by the Misuse of Drugs Act and certainly something like this we're not ready to sort of sort of turn a policy blind eye without the comfort of legislative change. So we're keen to be part of the dialogue. Campaigners say it will save lives. Others fear it will condone drug use. We'll be a, a strong, um, critical voice in terms of um, people saying, no, we're not going to have this in our city. We don't want um, our kids anywhere near this or the place where we work or the place where we live. But at, at the end of the day, it's about saving lives. On this episode of The Bell Tale, to discuss this massive issue, I'm joined by Belfast Telegraph reporter Andrew Madden Professor of Clinical Psychology at Queen's University, Dr. Gillian Shorter, and Stephen Clark, a Belfast man who has suffered with heroin addiction in the past. Andrew, you're very welcome to the Bell Tale again. Thank you for having me. You've covered debates on safe injecting rooms or overdose pre- prevention centres, mm-hmm. as they're officially called in Belfast Council meetings before. Can you explain for people that don't know what exactly an OPC is and what its purpose is? Well, essentially, uh, an OPC would be a facility which is manned by trained medical staff, which would allow uh, drug users um, to inject drugs in a safe environment um, with the oversight, obviously, of healthcare professionals. Um, They're designed in order to prevent overdoses. So the healthcare professionals will be trained in administering naloxone, which um, reverses the effects of uh, an opiate overdose. Um, So, yeah. What does the current motion that was passed by the council recently entail? Because I think a lot of people think that, oh, that's it, you know, OPC and OPC is going to come yeah. tomorrow morning sort of thing. No, no, it? very much so. It's not, that's not the case. Essentially, what happens is because um, OPCs would allow um, drug users to uh, inject drugs in a safe environment, 
they're not technically lawful as things stand under the Misuse of Drugs Act 1972. So what this motion um, in Belfast City Council differing from other related motions in the past is asking for a special legal dispensation to allow such a facility to be lawful. So what the motion has asked is pretty much for the council to uh, lend its support and call for the Belfast Trust, the PSNI, the Department of Health, Department of Justice and the Attorney General um, to pretty much lobby them in order to make the case for this special dispensation. And realistically then, if if that does happen and they go through all those organisations and everything goes well, what's the realistic time frame do you think of an OPC actually then coming to Belfast? Well, it is a tricky one because such um, a subject would be it wouldn't have the support of the entire community, shall we say, so there would need to be some sort of consultation you would imagine would have to happen. And then obviously the, the wheels of... Um, of legislative, uh, legislative change do move quite slowly. But if all those aforementioned organisations did lend their support, a consultation um, put out and uh, got the support from the majority of residents in whatever area it would be put in, um, then you could possibly see one within the next maybe 12 to 18 months. Um, obviously, you need to find a facility, um, you need to have the staff in place, and with that, would take funding as well. So uh, as things stand, um, it's hard to tell really. And with consultations, obviously all the different politicians and parties mm-hmm. have to be consulted. How how did the parties vote in the latest in the latest motion that was put through? Well, all the parties um, supported the motion except for the DEP who abstained. Um, the DEP council group leader, Belva City Council, George Dorian, um, said, you know, I sympathise with this motion, but we would have concerns, but we're not going to stand in the way of this um, progressing and we'll do further work and we'll ask further questions would be more scrutiny um, but they weren't going to prepare to vote against it because it is a highly emotive issue I mean they did share their concerns that not every member of the community and every business where a potential facility could be located next who will support this but they were open to having the discussion which is a lot different than previous motions when the DP have, have pretty much um, came out um, quite strongly against this just um, for fear of you know community backlash. And how, how have the previous debates on the issue, how have they gone before? Because I know, I think it was last October, um, the then Health Minister, Robin Swan, he sort of poured cold water on the issue because obviously of this misuse um, drugs law. Yeah. So essentially, that's, that's what made this motion different. Um, there was a previous motion essentially just calling for one to be created, but um, they didn't get into the legal technicalities of it and they didn't realise whoever put forward the motion didn't seem to... Um, really push the legal aspect of it so this is more of a, a concrete motion as we say which actually lays out the next steps in terms of first of all you'd have to get legal dispensation for you to anything so they're taking it in a very practical sense this was put forward by the Green Party but previous um, debates on it have been quite heated because it is an emotive issue um, it has to be said but um, at the end of the day I think all councillors recognise that this issue in terms of um, drug death in the city it has increased in recent years there's no doubt about it and um, even walking around the city you would see people with addiction issues um, and it become more prevalent so they do realise that perhaps you know um, instead of, of seeing people on the streets um, and putting their lives in danger this is the way to go do you think then as well, because I know like there's safe injecting facilities around the world, mm-hmm. um, like for example, there's Norway, France, Portugal, um, Canada, Australia as well. So ac- across continents. Mm-hmm. But do you think that this is why it's happening now because of, I think there were five five young men died in the space of a few months last summer and they were found on the streets mm-hmm. of, of Belfast. And it's been rising, as you say, within the last four years. I think it's over 300 people have died yeah. because of drugs. Do you think it's kind of the... 
it's the final straw now and that's where it's come. Yeah, very much so. I mean, that was that was very much the, the tone of the, the debate on this. Um, recently, um, where pretty much the country said enough is enough. I mean, this is just the problem's getting out of hand, and we can't just sit in our, um, sit in our hands anymore and just let this this continue. There needs to be a, a radical solution, and and obviously that the, the progress of this and the putting forward of this motion has been um, quickened um, in the backdrop of increasing number of drug deaths and and drug abuse um, in the city centre. What do you think then? Because I know you touched on that as well. Like for example. There's legislative processes and there'll be a discussion around where the centre will actually be placed. But, you know, are there any other conflicting issues that people really take, you know, that that they really don't, reasons that they really don't want the centre to be in Belfast? Yeah, well, some some people think, you know, if you have this, if the idea of have a safe safe injecting facility, they'll they'll see, you know, flocks of people um, come and do it and it'll somehow, you know, give the city a bad name or, or bring the city down in some sort of fashion. And then obviously uh, you have to take into account if it's in the city centre, it's going to be businesses to be affected and some businesses might not want that. But at the same time, I remember um, walking through the city centre and speaking to businesses about this issue before and the vast majority of them I would have had to say were like, no, we would support this because it'll stop um, you know, people on the streets um, taking drugs, which is really, which would give, um, some would say, the city um, a poor look. Yeah. Do you think, you know, playing devil's advocate, do you, I know you talked about like the possible realistic time frame of it actually mm-hmm. happening. Do you see it happening in the next like five years there or so? Well, in the next five years, yeah, I think so. Um, the prospect of it, I mean, it could happen within the next few months, but I don't think it will, to be honest, because like many contentious subjects in Northern Ireland, um, there will be a strong, um, whether it will be in the minority, there will be a, a strong um, critical voice in terms of um, people saying, no, we're not going to have this in our city. We don't want um, our kids anywhere near this or the place where we work or the place where we live. Um, so you would expect there to be, you know, you know, protests, that kind of thing. But at, at the end of the day, it's about saving lives. So I think... Um, yeah, I think within the next five years you would see one in Belfast. And legalities wise, mm-hmm. you know, I know like you said there's gonna be consultations with the PSNA and the Department of Justice, yeah, of for example. So you would assume that there'll be some sort of immunity for people that are that are going into the centres because they'll be taking drugs. So, yeah. you know, well they would have to be, I mean, because you can't have a safe injecting room where you know you know have police standing outside searching people going in and, uh, and they're taking drugs. It would defeat the whole purpose of having one. So you would need to have um uh, some sort of arrangement in place where, look, if these if uh, drug users are clearly going on their way to this facility and they have a small amount of drugs on them, they're not going to be um, arrested and have their, their drug seized because it would defeat the the entire purpose of the whole practice. So yeah, of course it would need um, community leaders, council, um, and other authorities to sit down with the PSNI and really iron out the details of this because it's not just as simple as saying, right, um, it's legal um, in this room, but everywhere else it's legal. And if you get caught anywhere near it, um, but not inside the room, then you're, you're committing a criminal offence. Yeah. Andrew Madden, thanks very much. I'm now going to bring in Dr. Gillian Shorter, who specialises in the psychology behind substance abuse. Dr. Gillian Shorter, you're very welcome to the Bell Tale. Uh, you specialise in the field of the clinical psychology with a particular focus on substance abuse. Well, could you just talk me through, for listeners that don't really know, what actually happens in an overdose pre- prevention centre? So how it works is quite simple. So if somebody comes in straight in through the door, they enroll, so they give over some details so people know who they are, and they talk a little bit about what they might be using, any substances they might have on board at the time, 
maybe how they're planning to use and things like that. Any health needs or anything like that that come up as well can be taken at that sort of intake. And then they move into the space where they're going to be using the substances. And this is a sort of clean, sterile space. Uh, they wash their hands. And that's something you can't do if you're out on the streets using drugs, for example. Um, and they sort of connect with a health educator or a peer or a healthcare worker or whoever's there and sort of doing the supervision of the event. They'll get equipment um, and some advice maybe on how to use safely if they need that. Then they get on with the consumption event. So they'll be monitored through that. Um, and so we're just essentially keeping an eye on the person that they're using in case there's any signs of overdose um, or any signs of difficulty they might be having. And then we can work through those with the client. Um, but it's mostly really about relationship building and supporting people and having somewhere for people to be. Primary function is to make sure that people stay alive, stay well, and to build those relationships. Evidence-wise, what are we looking at? Do they save lives? Do they? Because some people say, you know, they, they help encourage recovery. Some people think that they help promote substance abuse. What is the actual evidence behind it? So the first one is always the overdose uh, situation. So they prevent and manage overdoses. So there's a 35% reduction in the overall city of Vancouver and 26% in the area where the Overdose Prevention Centre was located. And it's becoming urgent here in Northern Ireland because the majority of deaths we have here are young people that we promised so much in the Good Friday Agreement. Our ceasefire babies aged 25 to 39, um, you know, 26.9 per 100,000 here uh, are dying of preventative drug-related deaths. And this is some of the highest figures we have in Europe. So we do know that it can reduce overdoses. And it does it not just by providing a space and an intervention at the time when an overdose occurs, but also through the provision of advice where you're talking to people about their use and you're helping them to manage their own risks, particularly when the overdose prevention centre is closed. But we also know they're good for communities as well because they reduce public drug use and they reduce litter you know, a lot of people who attend these services use in public places because they don't have anywhere else to go. You know, studies in Frankfurt showed that the use went from 800 observable public drug use events down to 150 in the year after one opened. Um, and the other thing, I love this statistic because it refers to Sydney where the year after um, the centre was opened, one third of businesses couldn't pinpoint where it was on a map. And half of residents of that area also couldn't pinpoint it on a map. So it can blend so seamlessly into the background, yet still provide uh, life-saving health care. How about the stigma that is attached to the centres, Gillian? You know, what's your experience of that? Or what do you, you're obviously very pro-prevention pro centres. What do you tell people who do view them negatively? Well, I'm pro-centres because I've seen the evidence. Mm -hmm. um, and the evidence is overwhelmingly positive. And the evidence is overwhelmingly positive that they actually reduce stigma. And they do that by engaging the most marginalised in society and address very, very real medical and, and support needs. So these are people who maybe don't have shelter, water, food, transport, all sorts of things that we know and take for granted. Um, and they address real medical needs for those individuals too. But more importantly, they provide space in communities where there isn't one. And that public moving away from public drug use and the disposal of, um, you know, drug related litter in public and things like that is because there's somewhere for people to be. 
know, the stories from Glasgow, we've seen about how it's transformed people's lives. And I and I really agree and I'm really pleased that some of the issues come up because we need to be having these conversations about what it means to be a compassionate society. And there's a lot to be said for supporting people and building people up. It's a very common uh, management style to tell people they're awful and hope they improve. And I don't know about you and your bosses through the years, Neve, but I've had the odd one who thinks just telling you you're rubbish will get you to do better. But I'll tell you now, as a psychologist, nothing could be further from the truth. It's building people up, helping them imagine a future. And to me, it's not as much about why you got to where you're at, but how we can support you to create a future that you want for yourself, one that you feel you deserve. The people that do oppose OPCs, what do you find their biggest fears are about them? The first one is that a lot of people worry that it encourages drug use um, and facilities don't actually enjoy, um, allow the first use on site. You know, if somebody comes to the site and they want to use for the first time, typically you know, you'd be having some conversations with them um, about why that is and maybe trying to discourage them from doing so. Instead, they sort of build relationships. And from that, uh, you get to build people up and they sometimes decide that certain types of treatment are, are right for them. And the other one is um, is, is around not in my backyard. And, and I get that, you know, and, and I hear people's fears when they talk about these facilities and they wonder what it would mean for them. It's really a compassion. It's a, it's a harm reduction facility. It's really about building into the community a service that is sorely needed. Um, and it's about supporting every member of that community from people who use drugs uh, to people who run businesses, to the police officers, to the healthcare professionals, everyone in that community benefits. And I hear people's concerns, but this is a solution that really will help improve our community for everyone and hopefully keep some of our ceasefire babies alive. Dr. Gillian Shorter, thank you very much. I'm now going to talk to Stephen Clark, who is a man from East Belfast that has suffered in the past from many drug addictions, including heroin. Stephen Clark, welcome to the Belltale podcast. I understand that you have had a lot of experience in the past with drug addiction. Do you want to just tell me a wee bit about what you went through? Back in 1998, it was, I met a girl from Dublin, Ballymun, Dublin, and uh, moved down there. So I ended up with a girlfriend with heroin addiction. When I first went down, the first thing he said was like, no heroin. But after a week or two, I was pulled out and started smoking. So initially, it was, I was smoking heroin. After smoking so much, you end up with a bit of tolerance, and your tolerance is high. So a bag, I think a bag between me and my ex, it wasn't doing this. It wasn't getting we're working the proper end of it. So what we did was start, we started injecting. And when we were there, I overdosed at least, I would say, 30 times. I overdosed in Dublin, like I woke up in the hospitals in Dublin. Uh, was in the hospital for, uh, was in a coma for three and a half weeks. Was in the hospital all the year for seven weeks. But when I came, I came back to Belfast, and Belfast was very, very small, terrible, like people using their own. I would say probably about 15. It was a small, small circle. Mm-hmm. One time, uh, my ex in Belfast, she wouldn't let me see my son on his birthday, so I went, I went through a drinking time. Just pissed off and went, went on the beer. And while he was on the beer, there was a girl came in the bar and said, to me, do you want to come out and have a smoke? In the toilets beside Sports Direct. 
So he says, oh, I hope he does. I, I was drunk and I just went well for it. But when I'm in doubt, she smelled like needles. So I stuck the arm out and all of a sudden I woke up in the hospital. So that toilet in Belfast, like I could have, I could have died there on my son's birthday, which really, really kills me so this, but it is what it is. And you're saying there, Stephen, that back then there was a quite a small circle of people yeah. doing, doing her in Belfast, but in the last few years, like statistics show that there's there's a lot more people. And that, that that ripple has just got so so much bigger. I mean, like, you walk into town, and it was never like that before. But you walk into town, and there's alleys everywhere. I don't like I don't, I don't use the word junkie because I think it's a disgusting word. People have addictions because of problems. I, I, I hated reality. Reality was, I, I couldn't hide reality. So that's why I used drugs. But also, like, I, I was a function, like, like uh, and the kids. And I, I could, I could use, use heroin and, like, look after my kids. Mm. Um, but it got to a stage where I was like, waiting on hospitals every week. And I mean, I don't, I don't know how I'm still here, but some, somebody's keeping me here. Do you think, Stephen, if there had have been a safe injecting room or overdose prevention yeah. centres, they're called in the city, do yeah. you think that would have that would have helped you? On million percent, million percent. I mean, if you look at Switzerland, you look at Portugal, they have they have safe safe places. The, the overdoses in Switzerland are from like ninety seven percent down to none because of the safe safe injection. Now Belfast, I mean, like if I I work used to work for homeless. Uh, homeless group and we would be we would, we would in Tomb Street and every week in Tomb Street there would always be one missing all, all the same regulars all, every week one mum was missing and that one would be dead there in Belfast I mean there is at least 50 days probably probably more in the city, the city centre so I mean a safe injection site I, I believe it would be really really good um, I don't think it would promote heroin I think it was just to help the, 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 the addicts who are, are using. And I think it would save a lot of lives. And uh, as we're speaking now, there's, there's somebody in town hitting up and there's probably somebody going to die today. And so it is. It's, 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 it's an epidemic. And it's bad. Uh, but people do use drugs. I mean, people use them for many reasons. Some use them for a buzz, some, some use them just to get away from reality. Do you know anyone yourself personally that, that has died of overdose? Yes, yes. Uh, a girl, young girl called Maria. Everybody knew in town. Maria, we Maria, she looked about 12 and she used to tap money and go on the year. So like last week, or I think it was last week or two weeks ago, Maria tapped her ass hit and overdose died. Lisa Murphy, normal. I could write a lot of other names. Of people who have died, and if there was a safe injection place, then people would be still here. Still here. And how how did you yourself sort of like get away from the addiction? Well, me and my ex, we broke up, and at, during the breakup, that's, that was it. I woke up one morning and I said, I've, I've had enough. I went to Milan Clinic, and they they have me methadone straight away. I don't believe them. Methadone, I think methadone is just a just a replacement for heroin. How long, you know, in total do you think it took you to actually get yourself totally weaned off it? Uh, like a few months, uh, as you know, like I went, went boxing 
something other. I got myself uh, away from the circle who I was in and got myself free um, and started like started living my life instead of just existing. You know, it is when you're on heroin, you, you just exist, you, you don't live. And every day, I mean, you wake up in the morning, the first thing you need to do is to, is, is to get 25 quid. You get, you get the 25 quid, and then you go looking for a dealer. Usually the cops are, cops are as well, so you have to so you get, get, get the money, dodge your cops, get to the dealer, score, get back again with, 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 um, through the cops, and back home. I used to put, put uh, bags of heroin in my mouth. One time I got stopped in the legal pass and uh, the cops cop, knew that I scored. So they threw me up. I was on a bike, two right beside me. And I had four bags in my mouth and uh, he swallowed them. I said, that's what he does. When the cops, cops stop me, he swallowed your gear. Then you get back, back home, drink a little water and throw, throw up and you, you throw your bags up. Do you think, Stephen, if there had have been safe injecting rooms, were by, you know, police can't actually stop you for possession when you're going into those rooms. Mm. Do you think it would have helped you, not only, you know, you're saying that it's going to save lives, but do you think it would have helped you actually recover quicker? Well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that there because you're going into an environment where there is not your legs. Plus, if there is a safe injection center, uh, I dare say, with a dealer's abuse in I mean, there's two, two sides of the coin on the safe injection center. We could say they do, does it promote heroin, or but I think the flip side is is it's because we want to save lives, and I think if it's going to save lives. Then perhaps it think that's you go for. There's two millions died. I mean, like, it's, it's 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 crazy, it's absolutely crazy. There is there's people in the, in that city centre who need a safe injection centre. I've seen I've seen people who've lost legs from heading up, um, as well as overdosing. As a whole, Stephen, would you yourself be for a safe injecting room in the city? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just the reason why is because deaths, too many people died. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you have to counterbalance it, as in, so like, if there is a safe injecting centre, will people like start start using their own because of it? People could already say, well, we will use um because... I'll be safe if you get me. I Stephen, Andrew and Gillian, thanks very much. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by me, Neve Campbell, with Kieran Dunbar and sound engineered by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from Sky, ITV, UTV, Channel 4 and BBC. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply.